Hello and welcome back to the Sunderland Review Show. Two wins in two league games mean that it's been an absolutely delightful return to League One as Sunderland and the Irvine Ibrahimovic continue to shine. To chat about this afternoon's game and drink in another Sunderland win is returning guest and relatively new face, Dave Lawrence. Dave, how are you doing? Are you all right? Yeah, very well, mate. Like, even better after that. Yeah, I'm buzzing. Yeah, you caught a little bit there. It sounded great, though. It sounded like a robot had come through and and admitted it was a great win. I'm going to leave that in. It's fine. Um, and as always, we've got an opposition review, which is really good when the opposition's got beat. I really like that. It's great to tell us how good we are. Um, but I won't rub it in too much. Obviously, we've got the most lovely and most likable MK Dons fan that there is, Liam Conley from the MK1 pod. Liam, how are you doing? Are you all right? Yeah, not too bad, Graham. Thanks for having me on again. No, not a problem at all. Thanks for coming on after a defeat. It's always a, always appreciated. I didn't think about this. Looking forward, if fans would want to come <laughs> on after we beat them, and who knows? Um, quick rundown of the game. I'm sure you all remember it, but someone lined up with Lee Burge in goal, Carl Winchester at right back, uh, the Gherkin was playing at left back. We had Doyle and Flano at the back, Corey Evans, Elliot Embleton, Dan Neal, Lyndon Gooch, Adam Giddy, and of course Ross Stewart. Um, Sunderland took the lead just before half-time with Ross Stewart. Elliot Embleton bagging the second, which everyone thought was offside apart from me. He blatantly wasn't. Um, Troy Parrott scored after something happened um, in the defence. And then, of course, we got a penalty and Linda Gooch missed it. That's the short version, but there's going to be a much longer version, which I'm sure we'll discuss. Dave, I introduced you first, so I'll come to you first. It's our third consecutive 2-1 win, or fourth, if you count friendly games. Um, What's your reaction to the game? Yeah, um, I think I said last week, and, and same goes again. We're we're pressing that high up the pitch that so we're we're going to create chances. I don't think there's any doubt of that. We got a more mobile centre forward than we've had for <laughs> God knows how long, um, and yeah, it's going to leave us open at the back a little bit. You know, Lee Burge throwing the throwing the ball <laughs> to the opposition doesn't help much. I'm, no, we we don't need to give people that much of a head start if we're honest, but. And then Lyndon Gooch making a back pass to the keeper when he could have finished the game off a little bit earlier. But yeah, overall, I mean, I saw I saw somebody, I think it was Joe, Joe Nicholson earlier on on Twitter. He said, oh, Sunderland are lucky they're going 1-0 up at half-time. And I'm thinking, I'm not quite sure I agree. In fact, I actually tweeted them back. I didn't get a reply. But I, I, said, I said, you know, I think neither of us really created a great deal in the first half. But I think in terms of possession and probably like slightly better midfield possession, I'd have said we'd have had half an hour in the first half and they had 15 minutes. So that's just my opinion. Um, if you want to go 25 and 20, yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that. So, yeah, I think we probably just about shaded it first half. Uh, yeah, yeah, all in all, you know, we're scoring goals. I think we're going to concede. It's as simple as that. But as long as we're scoring one more than the opposition, then we're happy, aren't we? It feels like we're playing the way we expected to play with Lee Johnson because when we first got him in, the only thing that we remembered about Lee Johnson was he was small and that he was manager of Bristol City when our worst ever team managed to pull it back from 3-0 down at half-time. Um, so we knew we might press and we may occasionally concede goals. Kind of feels a bit like that, but we'll get further into it. I think today was probably avoidable. So I'm going to say a clean sheet minus Lee Burge. Um, but Liam, I'll, I'll come to you. Obviously, different viewpoint entirely. Uh, what did you make of the game? Yeah, I mean, overall, I'd say first half was fairly even. Um, you know, the reason we went down at half time was because of a mistake from a goalkeeper. Uh, spills across, of course, Ross Stewart's going to be there because that's what good strikers do to uh, take advantage of people's mistakes. 
Um, yeah, I thought both teams created enough chance in the first half. We probably could have done more of ours and I think Sunderland did the most with theirs that they possibly could have. So that's what we're looking at half-time. Uh, second half, uh, it felt a bit like the Bournemouth game for me. We just, I think the first five, ten minutes, we came out a bit flat. And of course, that's when the second goal went in. Um, I said, I didn't, he didn't look offside. Um, the defence seemed to think he was. I, I don't think he was. Obviously, we'll get a, another look at it after the game. And um, the highlights, I'm sure, tomorrow morning. But yeah, the, the defence has fell to sleep and this kind of collapse. We had sort of a reaction. And the Detroit Parrot goal, which is a brilliant strike. Um, you know, thanks to Lee Burge making a mistake, you know, sort of made us even. So then you're looking at yeah, just two mistakes costing us the game, which is a shame because I think overall we played quite well. I was I was considering we, our gaffer hasn't taken a training session yet with the players. Um, and, you know, at times we lacked a bit of control in that midfield. I thought we played really well against a team like Sunderland too. I'm expecting to be you know, right up there this season. I think these first two games have shown that. You know, I mean, I've not really too much to complain about. Obviously, of course, I'd like to get points from any game, especially at home where, you know, you, you should be taking points from every single home game you have this season. But with, with the circumstances, you know, it's not a, it wasn't a horrific defeat. Um, yes, of course, it's not, like, it's not nice to lose. But I think many people came out of it with a lot of positives and looking forward to Charlton on Tuesday. Yeah, I think, Sometimes when you get a new manager, and even if it's been a day, when you're the opposition, you always worry that it's going to be the new manager bounce immediately. On the flip side, when it's like a new manager that's given a day, which we had last season with Lee Johnson, I think it got announced on the morning, was in the dugout at like three o'clock. You kind of yeah. think, uh, you haven't had quite quite long enough. In truth, there's kind of more, there's probably more truth in the second one than the first one, truthfully, because if you come in a day beforehand, you've probably got a chance to say, hello, I'm the new manager, and that's about it. Um, but we'll take it. We'll take it. Let's pretend, you know, that the um, the new manager bounce is what we were all fearing, and so therefore, some have done <laughs> extra well by by overachieving on that. Um, Dave, obviously, we started with. I know his name's Sirkin, but it just I, I keep wanting to say the Gherkin, so I'm gonna I'm gonna continue with that. That's gonna become a thing. Um, the Gherkin obviously played at left back because it was an enforced injury, well, enforced illness with Luke O'Neill. Um, I think rumours of COVID and that, but I'm sure it doesn't really matter as long as he's all right. But what were your first impressions of um, of Dennis? Yeah, um, steady, I think. Well, like no no real problems with him whatsoever. Lacking match fitness, I think that was very evident from the from the minute that he first kicked the ball. But yeah, you can see what he's going to bring. He's he's certainly for a 19 year old. He's certainly filled out. He's certainly got broad shoulders on him, and it's quite nice to see it's. It's something we struggle with a lot. We're, like we don't really buy a lot of physical, athletic type players, and all of a sudden we're getting the odd one through the door. I mean, you know, it, it just shows you're in League One today. Because I thought, um, I thought MK's uh, left centre half Zach Jules, I thought he had a very, very good game and so just basically put put Lyndon Gooch in the stands, and and that's where Gooch goes wrong. And, and Gooch will never be consistent enough because there's big physical athletic defenders at this level and he just can't do it. He's got to learn to bend the ball around the outside of them or something kind of old Beckham style instead of beating his man because Beckham had no pace back in the day. Um, but yeah, yeah, Gherkin, Gherkin was... We, see, we shouldn't really call him Gherkin because there was, there was an old <laughs> goalkeeper called Dean Gherkin, wasn't there? Dean Gherkin, yeah, <laughs> so there was. I, I tell you what, there, there's actually an argument for getting Dean Gherkin back in between the sticks even though he's 46. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, he was steady. He'll, he'll get better. Give give him kind of give him three or four weeks. He'll be up to pace, and I tell you what, he'd be a very very good acquisition at this level. I think. I really really like the fact that he was like defensively sound. I don't know why, but now when you sign a right back or a left back, you go, oh, I hope he's like really good at getting forward, and he's like Roberto yeah. Carlos, because that's kind of what you're used to, but. Actually, he was dead steady. Like you said, he was dead safe going back. And I never really felt that worried. But then I totally agree with what you say on the other side. I was going to actually ask Liam this question um, from a perspective of MK, who was their best player? But I've got to, got to honestly say, I think it was him as well. I think I think Gooch did all right. Don't get me wrong. But Gooch is one of the better players in this division offensively. He's not as consistent as we would like, but he's not an easy customer to come up against because as small as he is, he's got a bit of strength. But um, Jules just, I, I thought Jules had him in his back pocket, to be honest. I mean, Liam, is that the same viewpoint from your side? Do you think Gooch was handled relatively well? Yeah. Uh, when um, when Gooch was on the floor, he is a, he's quite a good player. Um, I've, we said this before previously on previous episodes, Graham, and yeah, I said I was saying this. I said to the other lads of the pod, like Jules had a really, really good game. And there was always a question of Lewin to McCrate back into his spot at left centre back. Mm-hmm. Um, but the whole reason that Jules was brought in last season by Russ was to, at the very least, compete with Lewington for that position. So yeah, I think the fact that he sees the opportunity and you know showing the new gap of what he's about, I think that bodes really well for him. And yeah, I think he was very unlucky not to get man of the match today. Although Troy Parrott was also very good. Um, and this song quickly on search assertion. I'll call him Gherkin, why not? <laughs> okay. Um I think I think I think to put him and Doyle uh, together as a left side of the defense is actually really brave from Johnson. I think it was a master stroke in the end because I said 19 is it was Doyle 18 or 17. Um 17. 17, 17, there you go then. Like yeah, having those two together and as a back or well, that side of the back four anyway is really brave. But I think uh it works really well and both of them seem really confident on the ball. I didn't we talking about people and in, in calling them Gherkins. I didn't realize how much Callum Doyle actually looks like Justin Bieber until today, by the way. Again, Dave, um, I feel like Doyle's turning into like another Sanderson where you just kind of forget that he played well because he always plays well. Um, he was up against some tricky customers today, like an, he's a 17 year old kid and he, he's up against you know Troy Parrott is a good striker. Um, also, obviously, Moisa is a really good striker at this level. Really, really good. I'd like him at something, if I'm completely honest. Um, but what did you make of Doyle's performance again, Dave? Yeah, again, I mean, consistent. That's two games. We'll excuse him the first 10, 15 minutes of the Wigan game. But he grew into that game and, and was excellent by the, by the time full-time whistle went. And today, I think, pause, you see what he's about. Probably at one stage in the first first half, I think it was, a little bit of too much youthful exuberance. He's give the ball away, carrying it out, and then chased into the midfield to uh, to kind of win it back. I mean, he, he half did win it back, to be honest. But against teams which have moved the ball slightly quicker or kind of spotted that he's out, he will get caught out with that. But I suppose that's why Flanagan's there, to kind of rein him back in a little bit. Although... I must admit, it's an absolutely outrageous call, but just judging by the pictures of Frederick Alves, who we've just signed on loan, mm. tell you what, I'd have no problem with playing Doyle and Alves. I, I get the feeling that them two at centre-half might be quite good. Whether it ever happens is a different matter. Uh, I know it's a big risk, like uh, like Liam said before, about your left-hand side being a 19-year-old, a 17-year-old. Whether you want to throw your 21-year-old Lorne in there as well is a different matter. But yeah, um, yeah, Doyle, yeah, I think, again, he's just going to go strength to strength, isn't he? And 
Pep Guardiola is probably watching bits of it and going, tell you what, four years' time, I'm going Next to John Stones, probably. Yeah. Better than John Stones. Miles better. <laughs> <laughs> I think the one kind of worry that I'll, I'll take from the game, and I'm probably jumping too too far ahead here, Dave, but I'll stick, stick with you before we go into the, maybe the bones of the game, but Corey Evans injured. Um, I wasn't overly excited about Corey Evans signing. Then I watched him against Wigan. I watched him today. He's just such an upgrade on Max Power. But the one thing that a lot of people mentioned and said, even if he is good, how many games are you going to get out of him? He got a knock in the first half. He went down. I thought, oh, no. He got a knock in the second half and he went off. Um, at the time of speaking, we don't know if that's a bad one that's going to keep him up for weeks or just a case of taking him off of a precaution. Um, but is that a bit of a worry that Corey Evans has came in the door and got an injury straight away? Massively, because I think if you look at those two games that we've played, he's integral with the way that we're going to play football. He's, um, like you say, for an upgrade on power, as much as we all love Grant Ledbetter because he's a Sunderland lad through and through. He cares so much about everything that we do as a club. But Evans is just so much more mobile, he, you know, on everything. Uh, I think if you're playing the likes of 9 in there, you need Corey Evans with him because 9 he... He gets what it's about. He he's mobile, of course, but I just don't think he understands football completely. He's he's got a bit of a young head on his shoulders, and he lacks a little bit of technique. So I think with with a Corey Evans in there, I think that sorts that problem out. I dread to think if Evans is injured, like we'd have to have another midfielder through the door for me, and a mobile one, and a hard tackler, and a good range of passing which I think Corey Evans has showed us everything that he is so far as a in the one and three quarter games that he's played because I don't fancy Winchester in there at all. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I think it's the same. I, I looked at it and I thought, oh, we've signed another League One plodder, another Max Power, another Carl Winchester. Who I don't have the biggest problem with Carl Winchester. I think just this transfer window has shown us that we're trying to buy players who can develop onto another level and... Someone like Carl Winchester for me when we signed him won't play championship football. That's just my opinion. So yeah, Evans Evans could well be a huge miss, I think. But uh, fingers crossed. You never know. A bit of momentum in our in our sales, and hopefully he's just out for a couple of weeks or something and getting back in. You know, Liam, I wanted to discuss the midfield actually because for me, um, MK have one of the better midfields in the division on paper. Obviously, League One, anyone can beat anyone on the day. But you started today with um, O'Reilly, who I mentioned in the, the preview pod. I was always being impressed with when he came up against us. Ethan Robson, I think, at this level is decent. Obviously, he didn't play every week with Blackpool, but he was part of a squad that got promoted. And I think Scott Twine's a really good player, although he probably didn't show that as much today. Um, we had changed things around a little bit in the fact that Dan Neal went into midfield. It's probably his first... League game, I think, where he's played in midfield from the start. What did you make of the, the midfield battle and, and who really stood out for you from a Sunderland perspective? Yeah, just, just quickly on MK. Um, I think Scott Twine's role really changed today just because of the lack of control in midfield, basically. Um, he's having to go back more and track back and go with those ground duels, win the aerial duels. And typically, you don't want him doing that. You want him to be around the pitch, creating chances for... Uh, Parrot and Isa. When he was there, I think we all saw chances that did come come of that. You know what happened. Um, I think in regards to the midfield battle, um, Dan Neal, I think was excellent. Um, of course, he got the assist, but I think he's more than that. 
of course, with the, with the captain going off and Evans, you know, you're kind of looking at Dan Neal to step up a little bit, especially with Pritchard coming on for him, who isn't really a, a player who, although he won his ground jewels today, he's not a player that you expect to do that, you know, week in, week out. Um, but yeah, Dan Neal was terrific. Admittedly, he didn't he didn't step up from perspective in terms of being physical, but I feel the way he controlled the game uh, for periods, I thought, thought saw you through. Um, and just about uh, kept your lead, basically, heading into the final stages where I was really hoping that after the penalty save uh, from Fish, we could you know go on and get a result. But unfortunately, that didn't happen. Um, but yeah, I thought Ethan Robson was really good. Um, I think he's one of the better players on the pitch. Uh, he won his ground jewels. He distributed the ball well. And I think he showed, well, hopefully, he showed some of the fans what he's about. Um, obviously, didn't get really get to see it at your place. But... Um, yeah, he's been really good for us. And uh, yeah, Matt O'Reilly, um, it wasn't too much for him today. I had a few key passes that could have resulted in something if it fell our way. Um, but when you've only really got one striker in Troy Parrott who is getting the proper service, so we kind of need both of them to get a service on the day. It's, uh, it's going to be a difficult game, really. I found the statistics quite weird because I watched the full game Um because, of course, I am watching it from France, where I was able to get the international stream. Um, <clears throat> but I felt like Sunderland were always in control of the game until the Lee Burge mistake. However, I've looked at the stats, and MK had 17 shots to our seven. Eight of them were on target to our five. 60% of 40% possession in MK's favour. And MK had 77% pass accuracy with 427 passes to our 278. And our pass accuracy was 72. Um, is that maybe a statistic that tells you that the only really statistic that matters is that you score goals then? <laughs> because I felt like, I don't know, I found it quite weird. I felt, I felt like we were always in control, but was that because we were 2-0 up for a period of time? I mean, what, what were your thoughts on that, Liam, now that you've seen the stats and stuff? Yeah, I mean, if you break it down to the second half, it's even, I think it mm. shows our control even more. You know, uh, the possession, six, I think 69% for Don's second half, the shots, shots on target, everything is up pretty much apart from, I think Sutherland had more yellow cards, and that's pretty much it. Um, and of course, the big chances. So, yeah, I think I think the quality of chances was the big thing. Of course, we've mentioned this earlier, but the two big chances you had, you took. And I think that's what the big teams do in this league and the, the good teams do in this league, they take the chances they get. Whereas we, well, we, I mean, it was a really good strike from Parrot, but at the end of the day, it's not what you consider a quality chance. And there are a few in which you were kind of hoping that Don's could do better with, for example, tonight Watson in the first half, that could have changed the game. Um, but yeah, no, I think the second goal, I think that that determined the control of the game. And I think it allowed Sunderland to be a bit more comfortable, I suppose. Of course, uh, Troy scoring the goal quite soon after changed that a little bit, but at the end of the day, because it didn't really change too much until McEachern came on. I think McEachern and Josh Martin had to come on a lot sooner. Otherwise, it's pretty much the same old, same old, because Watson wasn't being brave enough going forward. And the likes of Dan Neal and, in the end, Alex Pritchard was doing enough in midfield to keep hold of the, the lead. So I think if Manning knew the plays a bit better at this point, say it was a month down the line, he would have brought on Martin in the 60th minute, McEachern in the 65th, if he's once he's fit enough and you know got up for his COVID issues. And probably got second goal, I'd maybe even gone on to win it. Who knows? But yeah, it I think I think you're right in terms of the control being, you know, the scoreboard saying 2-0 and all that. But I think 
we created enough chances to do something with them and it's unfortunate that we didn't get a second goal basically I think a lot of the um a lot of my opinion that I thought we won control for a lot of the time wasn't well it was the goals absolutely but then also first half I was the second half felt much more like MK and I mean that from 45th minute I thought you really came at us once obviously the goal came back because I think we kind of crapped ourselves a bit because we made a mistake and that that can kind of happen maybe the same way that when your goalkeeper made a mistake we went into what felt like complete control at the start of the second half but it was quite a stale first half in truth in terms of chances it wasn't much yeah um but I don't know if this is a, an MK thing, a new manager thing, which it probably isn't within a day, or that it was Sunderland's good player. But I noticed a lot of the time that I think it was uh, Harry Darling was was punting a lot of aimless balls, very un-MK-like in the first half. Was that maybe Manning looking to change the style of play, or was it just Sunderland's good press and play? Because I'm inclined to say the latter, but I know I'm biased. No, Harry Darling's been doing the long ball thing for a long, long time. Uh, unfortunately, today, it didn't really work. Um, I think he had 25% accuracy in the end for it, which is not very good at all, really. Um, so it ended up going to like, the likes of Ethan Robson, who was a lot better with it in the end, uh, to do that for him. Um, but yeah, typically, it's it's been a way to just break up the play a bit, especially when a team like Sunderland is pressing you. Uh, switch out to either a Harvey or a Watson today who can, you know, try and do something else with it. But as I mentioned with Watson, he wasn't brave enough today for me. So that kind of nullified it a lot. And sometimes, and if the passes are inaccurate from Darlin, then it's even worse. Um, so yeah, some teething issues, but yeah, H just likes to do that typically. So I'm not going to say, I think you could think, think that basically, yeah. Pretend it was just us again. So if any of fans are listening, <laughs> that was our tremendous pressing play. Um, come back to you, Dave. Um, I vocally especially on Twitter, which I'm not really like being quite critical of Elliot Embleton in the past. I've never seen never seen anything Embleton did when he played that made me go, Phew, I can see why people think he's so highly rated and why he should be in the team every week. Up until this season, I don't know what happened to him at Blackpool. I don't know if he just got games under his belt, got a bit of confidence, which is probably what it is, but he came back looking like that number eight, i.e. that number 10 realistically, but eight's on his shirt, that Sunderland have been missing for so long in its early days, but just how impressive and how important does Elliot Embleton look already? Belief and confidence, mate. It's amazing what it does. Little bit of belief, little bit of confidence. And I think, to be honest, huge statement, huge, huge statement. But if we get five or six wins in a row beginning of the season tell you what, the rest of the league one have got to be careful because that place will be absolutely rocking and you just don't stop it. You've, you've often heard managers come in about turning this huge ship round and getting moving in one direction and stuff like that. And I tell you, if it starts going, and especially if you start adding three or four more quality signings to that squad, it will take some stopping. And that's like not being biased. That's just how I feel it will be. Um, yeah, Embleton being promoted with Blackpool, probably, and, and let's be honest, is it there? Uh, I forget, Neil Neil Crichton, isn't it, at Blackpool? Yes. I, I get the feeling that... Neil Critchley. Critchley, yeah. sorry, that's yeah. him, yeah. I'm thinking the Red Dwarf, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> Never a bad thing. 
Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, I get that. In fact, let's be honest, we know that Critchley is good with young players because mm-hmm. he did really well at Liverpool. Uh, they thought a lot of them probably didn't want to lose him. Uh, and let's be honest, if Jurgen Klopp's employing you and keeping you employed, you're probably not very bad at your job, are you? You'd hope um, so. Yeah. yeah <laughs> so, yeah, I think he's probably had his arm around Embleton and said, hey, listen, whether you're going to be here playing championship football or whether you're going back to a club like Sunland, you're not going to miss out. You're, you know, you've got the potential to play at a level, leave everything out on the pitch every game. And yeah, to be honest, Probably, in fact, there was a couple of them guilty of one touch too many, especially with the likes of Milton Keynes' midfield, extra midfielder in the middle. They were pinching the ball off people's toes a little bit. Dan Neil did it a few times. And at this level, you've just you've got to move the ball quickly. The quicker you move it, the better you look as a player, uh, which I think showed from Dan Neil's pass for the goal. He just moved the ball first touch and, yeah, back of the net. Embleton, he looks fit. He looks hungry. Doesn't seem like the most passionate bloke until he scored a day, and then it's kind of like, oh, he fancies this. He fancies this a bit. So uh, yeah, it, hey, it, I, I refer back to the last three seasons in this league. We have had a team of plodders. Team, I mean, you know, we had the worst. I'm gonna, I'm gonna mention him again. In fact, every time I'm on this podcast, I am gonna mention him because he is the epitome of a League One plodder. But Charlie Effing White, League One plodder. And somehow we managed to score 31 goals last season. So anything's possible. If you've got players that have got a bit of desire and actually like show a bit of heart, I think the I think the ceiling's the limit, you know. So yeah, sorry about my passionate rant there. No, I don't mind if it's as long as it's not against. Well, actually, I'm going to talk about Lee Burge now. Fantastic. Um, I was going to say you, you talked about the turning <laughs> turning the ship around and stuff like that, but I think many of those managers who want to turn the ship around have ended up sinking the fucker haven't they but um which is a bit unfortunate but um but lee burge hey i don't like criticizing anyone too much and he was the nicest guy ever to me last week but this is a football podcast where i've got to give honest opinions that was not good goalkeeping it was silly really but what i quite liked about lee burge afterwards and this might be a bit of a controversial opinion he made an important save yep that's important but he also realized his mistake and started slowing the game right down like he really slowed it down. Um, there's a lot of people when he's made that mistake, and it's not his first mistake. Let's be honest here. Um, it's not his first mistake, so I understand it. There's a lot of people who now seem determined that Lee Burge is, is not going to be that choice. Um, I'm of the opinion that he recovered quite well and ultimately made a few important saves and and sports. He was games. What's the word? Gamesmanship. Um, yeah. Towards the end which I thought, for me, redeemed it a little bit because we did get the three points. But I'm prepared to be wrong with this, Dave. Do you think that potentially that Lee Burge needs to be taken out the firing line? We need a new goalkeeper for the end of the window? Or is that dramatic? It's it's one of them, isn't it? And I'm, I'm going to be, for, for the sake of balance, exactly the same as you, trying not to give too much. He did. He certainly realised his mistake, whether that was a shout from the touchline or whether it was of his own accord. It doesn't really matter because it did change. So that was fine, calming the game down. But we've we've had a goalkeeper before who now plays at a Premier League football club and every single time there's a mistake, 
mm. about 40 odd thousand Magnums jumped to his defense and go, Wait a minute, there's an agenda against him. This is ridiculous. That's carnage. And everyone defends him to the hilt. Today, Burge made a mistake. And yes, it was a big mistake. And yes, he's not Jordan Pickford. And yes, he's not England's number one. But for what we've got, you know, who's to say if Patterson wasn't in goal, he makes that mistake and then crumbles because he hasn't got that first-team experience and he lets in Troy Parrott's dink over the top of him. Who knows? It's all it's all hearsay. But I think at the minute, he's the best of what we've got. And a lot of people are going to listen to that and go, well, I'm not sure that gives us much hope. But yeah, yeah well. un- unless you can get someone in who's going to take us on to the next level and, you know, kind of grow with us as a club, he made big saves when he needed them to do today. Yes, he's made a, a, a an error, and I suppose in in some days he, he's gonna he'll give that ball away, and he won't concede that goal. It was a very, very, very good finish, if we're honest. Very good finish. It was, yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's it's one of them. I think, like you said, you've you've given the balance. He he kept the game at two one, so you you can't knock him too much for that, can you? I think for me with Burge, I think. He's just a League One goalkeeper. He's going yeah. to make those errors. He's going to make those mistakes. He's going to make those good saves. There's a reason he's been in League One and League Two for all of his, his career. I think Definitely. the problem he probably has is that he replaced John McLaughlin, who I think is shown by the fact he plays for Rangers, um, who their side's far superior to any side in League One. I don't care what anyone says. It's biased, I may be. Um, but I think John McLaughlin was a championship goalkeeper. Just, just Mr. Reliable, wasn't he? Let's be he honest. Was His distribution yeah. wasn't great, but he was, he was just Mr. Reliable. He wouldn't really make those mistakes that Burge makes every now and again. No. You know, he's he just had that, const- he had that one bad period with McLaughlin, but I think in reality, McLaughlin could have gone into the championship. Still, could go into the championship if we'd gone up. Yeah. Um, and I think no. No matter what he does, Lee Burge is never going to be that good. He's always going to be a, level, a League One level and he's going to make those errors. So for, for me, unless you're going to spend decent money on someone that's of the equivalent of John McLaughlin, I don't know if you'll get anyone that doesn't make the same amount of mistakes as Lee Burge does. And, and maybe that's a controversial opinion, but um, it is what it is, I guess. Uh, we won the game. I'm not going to be negative. <laughs> um, I don't want to be negative. Um before, obviously, I let you go, um, there was one thing I wanted to touch on, Dave, that I think most people haven't noticed. We've took Aidan McGeady off 20 minutes to go the past two weeks and still won the game. The past three seasons, we feel like the past decade, we've been relying on Aidan McGeady to win us games and that if he's not on the pitch, something cannot do anything. Um, is that testament to, to probably Elliot Embleton, if anyone, but also testament to the team that were more than just maybe Aidan McGeady this season? Yeah, I think we're getting there. I think I think Johnson's implementing a, a style of play which is which is going to take the pressure off Aidan McGeady a bit. The fact that Gooch has stepped up a little bit in the first mm-hmm. two games, especially the first game, you know, it's it can't all be done. And and let's be honest, I'm, I'm 35, and I'm, my legs are giving way, so I can imagine how Aidan McGeady feels, you know. <laughs> but having a fitter left back with McGeady who can kind of have a bit of a free roll from the left creates space out on the left for Sirkin to do all of his running yeah it's it's nice I mean I, I think for me personally and, and Johnson was right in his post-match interview we held on a little bit today um, mm-hmm. probably is a little bit too much than we would like 
obviously could have made it easier by um, scoring the penalty. But ultimately, we were holding on. And I think with the substitutes, that probably showed us that we were three signings short. I think we could have done with a, a, a mobile centre midfielder on the bench. I think we could have done with a, a bit more of a direct attacking winger on the bench. And the centre-forward thing still worries me. I won't lie. If, if something happens to Ross Stewart... What we got? Yeah. Uh, break. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I think, we I do. Think he stayed in Milton Keynes. That's just the rumour <laughs> that I heard. I quite like I quite like the fact that um Lee Johnson this week said that the problem with Will Gregg is a postcode problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, 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 well, 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 well. I actually forgot he existed and that he re really back up striker Jesus. To be fair, I'd probably still trust him to score more goals than Aidan O'Brien, who actually did pretty well in the number four position today, randomly. Don't know where that came from, but square pegs round hold. If you win, you win. It's all fine, isn't it? Um, yeah. I'd, I'd, say, I'd say he was more of a number four than he is anywhere across the front three. Let's put it that way. Yeah. He did a nice thing, though. Chuck his shirt in the crowd today. Let's give him credit. Yeah, yeah. Well, as long as he's a nice bloke, we know how far that gets you in somewhere. And he does look like Phil Mitchell with his hair shaved off, so <laughs> um, which is always a, a benefit, isn't it? Um, but we'll round it up there. Before, obviously, I do let everyone go. We did it last week. We had a, a one-word review um, to see what we thought. Might be a bit difficult. If you can fit it into one word, Dave, go for it. Oh, well... I tell you, last week was awesome. So today I'm going to go magnificent. Good, that works. Liam, our Wigan guest last week's his one word reaction was alcohol. Um, <laughs> I can see you in the house, so yours might be a bit different. What what's yours, mate? Uh, ooh, frustrated. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that every day of the week. If we if we can get the word frustrated and alcohol out of every single guest that we have them for the rest of the season, then <laughs> this has been well worth doing. But um, I've been Graham. Dave has been Dave. Liam has been Liam. Liam, I'm sure, will rejoin us later on in the season. Dave will be dragged yes. back on as well. And of course, I host the damn thing, so I'll be with you as well. But then um, subscribe in that if you want. If you don't, it's all right. It doesn't make you a bad person. It's just on your conscience. Um, <laughs> thanks very much for your time. <laughs>